Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Okay, Alan, yeah. Well, um, it's called Freelancer, and the title comes from uh, the title I suppose that my father was given when he was a newspaper correspondent in Rasslair Harbour, starting way back in the 1930s, um, and was at that job for about 50 years or so. Writing for what paper? Uh, for all the national papers, and really? the local paper, and for the Wexford people, and international ones as well, depending on the story that came up as well, that he would... Um, Tell me about your dad, his first name, obviously. Jim. Jim Maddox Jim as, as well, well yeah. yeah. JG, yeah. sometimes he was known as JG, uh, and when he was a kid he was known as Jemmy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he was an only child. Uh, he was born in the fort down in Tip of Rasslair, down there. And um, his father was from uh, Glynn outside Wexford here. And um, he um, he was a sea captain and went off on the sailing ships from Wexford as a cabin boy when he was about 16 or so. And uh, walked his way up along. Uh, he was uh, sailing across the Atlantic, around the world, around Cape Horn, around uh, Cape of Good Hope, all those places. He, um, he was uh, working for a man called Jasper Walsh, who was a timber merchant here in uh, Wexford, and frequently went across the Atlantic, bringing c- timber back from uh, Canada. So um, when he retired then, um, well, before that, actually, he was pilot master down in the fort for a while as well. And when he was down there, then he um, bumped into my grandmother, who was a, um, a native of the fort. There were Shield family, and there were fishermen down there. So um, they got married, and um, then my father was born. As it turned out, he was an only child. And as you know, the fort was washed away um, in about 1925 or so. So people moved from the fort across to uh, Rastar Harbour. Mm-hmm. And um, these were families like the Shields and the Wickhams and the Duggins and people like that and they all kind of settled in Rassler Harbour yeah. and then my grandfather he ended up then as on the mailboats, he was captain of the mailboats going across to Fishguard so uh, my father then was growing up as an only child and um, then he started actually training as a solicitor here in Wexford uh, and um, that coincided with the period when the Irish Press newspaper was being established by uh, De Valera, um, when De Valera came into power in 1932. And um, De Valera established this newspaper, the Irish Press, and they were looking for correspondence. And um, my father replied to uh, the uh, demand for correspondence. Yeah. Uh, didn't have any training at all, but um, um, anyway, he was... I suppose I told him to send in his credentials, whatever they were. Um, he had been in school and had done his leaving cert in yeah. 1926, which was quite an unusual thing at the time. It was the first year that the leaving cert had come into operation. In 1926? 1926, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I suppose that stood to him to a degree. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was always a man interested in reading and meeting people and travel and things as well. Mm. So anyway, he um, he got the job, as I say, no pay, no holiday pay, no pension, no uh, no kind of no perks or like that at all. He was taken on as a freelancer, yeah. and uh, that's where the uh, title comes from from the book. Right. So he had to kind of look for his stories, write his stories, and uh, send them in, and then they may be used or may not be used. But yeah. you know, it was a quite a precarious position to be in. I'm listening to you, and I'm listening to your accent, and. Uh, yeah. 
I'm getting a kind of an African flavour to the accent. <laughs> Am I way off the beaten path? I think so. Or could yeah. I be heading heading Zambia direction? Uh, you spent time there, have you? I have, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's the Cork, <laughs> the Cork connection is coming through well. Then I'd say. No, Father Sean Devricks is a great friend of mine. Yeah. He's in Gambia, and he yeah. has a little tint. He, he'll kill me now for saying this, but he's a little tint That's of all. the Gambian accent. Oh, yeah, and yeah. you <laughs> picked, definitely picked up a little hint of the Zambian accent. So in you, I mean, you, you're talking a lot about your dad, and we'll get back to him and some mm-hmm. of the stories he covered. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. your own journey is interesting as well, Jim. Well, uh, that was that's included in the book as well. Yeah, the book is a kind of a combination between a, a tribute to my father and his work, and also um, uh, my own memoir of growing up in Rasslair. Hmm. From I was born in 1948, so um, I'm actually 74, 75 this year. Uh, the same age, uh, actually, that my father died at. You know, so yeah, it's a kind of a poignant year for me. Um, You're a young looking 74, <sighs> like yourself, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm 10 years behind. Well, nine years behind. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 But um, yeah, no, I lived in Rasslair for the first 20 years of my life uh, and did all the things that are described in the book, which was a fantastic childhood. Yeah. Lots of freedom, um, you know, fishing, yeah. swimming, doing all kinds of getting up to mischief and the usual things that young fellas get up to. Yeah. So then uh, I left in um, 1970 um, and I went off to Zambia. Uh, I qualified as a teacher at that stage and uh, did a three years stint as a teacher out in the bush in uh, Zambia. Mm. But I don't know why you talk about the uh, the accent. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, in Chungalum cry. Now, somebody who would know Bemba might understand that. It means good evening, sir. <laughs> Bemba. Bemba, yeah, yeah. So uh, you came back here to retire then, did you? No, 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 no. I was only there for three years. Yeah. Three years, yeah. Um, I was in what was called Northern Rhodesia formerly. It was now Zambia. And uh, it was a place called Luapula province. Were you there during the apartheid there, isn't it? Well, no, apartheid was in South Africa. I know it was, yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, it Smith, was in, Smith was the leader uh, of oh, Rhodesia. Yeah, Smith was in Southern Rhodesia, yeah. Is that where you were? No, I was in, okay. in Northern Rhodesia. Northern Rhodesia had become independent in 1964. All right. So um, it was then renamed Zambia. Yeah, I remember Smith. Smith was still, yeah, he, still, he was still in power in, in, in southern Rhodesia at the time, and uh, he had declared UDI as it was called. And uh, I think he stayed in power until 1981, when eventually um, he was southern asked. Rhodesia got uh, got independence, known right. as Zimbabwe today. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. let's not digress too much because that's yeah, yeah. another day's work, yeah, 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 another yeah, yeah. day's story yeah, yeah. with yeah, you. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. just looking at the book itself, which you're, I know you're anxious to promote the fact that the book is now out, uh, freelancer. Uh, there's so many different stories. I don't know even where to go. I, 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 obviously, I want to look at t- the tragedy at Tusca Rock. Did your dad cover that story? He did. That was a famous. Um, Aer Lingus plane crash in 1968. I remember that as a Everybody child. Everybody in Wexford yeah. knows that as well, you know. Um, so um, the story obviously is well known, uh, but I suppose in the book I can look at it from the perspective of the local correspondent looking at it as well and yeah. uh, how he saw things as well, you know. He had um, certain advantages as a local correspondent, I suppose, with his local contacts. Yeah. Um, you know, when the plane crashed, uh, the whole mass media descended on Rasselaer at the time. In the, the, the uh, Hotel Rasselaer, the, the uh, Liam Griffin's Hotel out there, that was the kind of headquarters of the media at the time. Mm-hmm. But my father was able to work from home, and um, it was a time when there weren't too many um, phones in existence and things as well, so he had all those things 
from the comfort of his own home. He certainly, he? The, I mean, the eyes of Europe were on that particular story, and there, there was were, your dad at, there as there a focal no, point. One of the biggest stories ever, actually. The and he biggest, was writing for the Irish press at that time. All, the, interna- all yeah. the national, well, they all sent their own correspondence too, obviously, but, you yeah. know. Um, mm-hmm. And then afterwards, there was a search went on for the wreckage, which went on for a number of months as well, you know, so. Yeah. That stage, all the media had moved away. Okay, I picked so, that story. Do you want to pick one or two more? Hollywood comes to Rosslare. The visits by the American Navy destroyers in the 1950s. That's worth having a look at. Well, when I was walking in here this morning, I passed by uh, the statue of John Barry down there in yeah. on the quay. He's still there. Um, he was erected in 1956. Yeah. Um, John Barry, as everybody in Wexford knows, is the uh, founder of the uh, Commodore John Barry. I give him his full title. He was the founder of the uh, United States Navy during the War of Independence, uh, way back in the 18th century. Yeah. He was from Paddy Sampson, which is out near Rasselaer. And in 1956, um, the American government decided they would donate a statue of John Barry to okay. his native county here in Wexford. Yeah. And it was put on board a United States destroyer, the Charles S. Spurry, mm. which sailed into Rasselaer in, um, I think it was August 1956 with the statue on board, yes. unloaded the statue, and uh, that was a chapter in the book that I described as Hollywood coming to Rosslare because suddenly we had a whole crew of American sailors walking around the village, dispensing lucky strike cigarettes and Zippo firelighters, Zippo firelighters, Zippo yeah. lighters. <laughs> and um, it was a great time in Rosslare at that time because, you know, uh, there was no television much and there was we had cinema okay and... Uh, they brought colour and excitement to the village and right. uh, into Wexford as well. Then the, the um, statue was eventually unveiled in September 1956. Yes. And that coincided with another visit by another destroyer as well. So uh, it started a series of visits by okay. American warships into uh, Rosslare, which went on until the uh, late 50s. Yours is an incredible story. I'm going to pass on your details to my colleague, Michael Doyle, because I know he'd love to talk to you for I Remember. I'm kind of like his agent for I Remember. Michael may well be listening. If he's not milking a few cows this morning, he might be listening to me this morning. And I'll pass on the details. How how can people get the book? Well, it's available now in all the local bookshops here in Wexford. And it's called Freelancer. And we've just just literally whetted the appetites of people with this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's all, it'll be available online as well. Uh, I can give you the details of that. Maybe you can put it on your website. 100%. Or whatever as well, yeah. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran.